Welcome to Let's Talk About Clutter. I'm your host, Margot Staten, and today we're going to be talking about how to go from way too much clutter, how to get our homes from cluttered to tidy and organized. Specifically, I'm going to be covering five problems we tend to encounter when we're on our decluttering and home organization journey, and then some solutions that I can offer to get you unstuck. So I absolutely love this definition of clutter and clutter is anything that you are keeping that doesn't add value to your life. Why are we holding on to so many things? We can't possibly believe looking around our homes that everything in it adds value to our lives. Yet we struggle to let a lot of the items go. So one of the big problems that we have when decluttering or decluttering effectively is that sometimes it's hard to identify what clutter is and what it isn't. We've essentially become clutter blind. How can we possibly begin to get rid of things if we don't actually identify them as clutter? Oftentimes we look around our spaces and we're like, I absolutely need this. I 100% need this pizza cutter, even though you've never made pizza in your home. (laughs) So this is actually being colorblind is actually very, very common because we live in our homes day in and day out. So it's kind of difficult to be objective. It appears that everything is in its designated space, even though it's clutter taking up space on our surfaces. What ends up happening is that we are just used to it. We're completely accustomed to the chaos and the mess in our homes. And yes, sure, there are some areas in our spaces that drive us nuts, right? That make our eyes twitch. (laughs) Oftentimes for us mamas, it's the kitchen countertop or the dining room table or the bathroom sink. So those areas tend to be, especially areas of surface clutter, tend to be like, very, very easy. You know that you have to do something about the clutter that's residing there. But we actually have a ton more clutter in our space that we've become clutter blind to. And I read an article recently where it said that the average American household has 300,000 items in it. Can you imagine, especially if you live in a small space like me, Imagine we have 300,000 items. I can guarantee that a lot of that is clutter. So when we are colorblind, sometimes it's very difficult to identify where we should begin because again, we just don't see it. We're used to it, right? We're almost immune to it. So what's the solution? One of the best ways to identify what area in your home or areas in your home rather you should begin decluttering is by taking pictures of all the various spaces in your home and then studying them. Often seeing your home in pictures gives you a very, very different perspective. Oftentimes a shocking one, ladies. I also highly recommend that you show or send these photos to friends or family members and let them maybe give you tips on what doesn't belong or appears cluttersome. I don't recommend you sending these photos to, let's say, your mother-in-law who you maybe don't really get along with or who might be critical of you. (laughs) 
So choose wisely who you let see these pictures. But as silly as this might sound, it actually works because working with clients, oftentimes one of the biggest concerns or or issues that we run into is that my clients are just not sure where they should begin. And taking photos of your space and looking at them and realizing, oh my God, that bookshelf has a ton of knickknacks on it. I should start there. It gives us a very, very interesting perspective and it really narrows down what we should tackle decluttering first, second, third, and fourth, allowing us to create a decluttering plan. The next problem that we encounter when we're trying to go from a cluttered, overwhelming space to one that's clean and tidy is that we buy too many things that we don't need. We go to home goods. I am a lover of home goods. I have to practice, I mean, incredible self-discipline when I go to home goods. Sometimes I honestly just go there to look at pretty things. I don't know. It makes me feel good and I don't actually buy anything. But our buying habits are huge contributors of clutter. And it's really interesting because a lot of times we will invest the time, the energy, the effort, right? Blood, sweat, and tears into decluttering our home. And we will, we will achieve a clean and tidy space. But then we struggle to maintain it. And the reason we struggle to maintain it is because we haven't changed our shopping habits. We as women love to shop. And there are sometimes certain times of the month where we might shop a little more than usual. Also, some of us shop when we're stressed, when we, you know, experience anxiety, right? Sometimes we shop because it's a coping mechanism. So the reality is that we won't be able to maintain a clutter-free home until we change our buying habit. How often do we shop, see a lovely coffee mug, and then purchase it, even though we have 10 perfectly good coffee mugs at home? Or how often will you go and see, you know, a t-shirt or a sweater or a pair of jeans on sale? And you're like, oh my God, it's on sale 50% off. I feel like every time we see sale, we're like, oh, we have to have this. And then you bring it home and you have more than enough t-shirts and sweaters and jeans. In fact, your closet and your dressers are actually due for a decluttering. Changing our shopping habits is really, really important if you truly want to achieve a clean and tidy space. A great solution, and I'm actually going to offer you multiple solutions for this and kind of pick and choose the one that resonates or rather the one that maybe fits you, right? Fits you, your personality, and your lifestyle. And the first thing is don't purchase things you didn't set out to buy. So let me explain what I mean by that. When I go shopping for food or anything else, really, I always write a list. That list serves two purposes. It ensures I don't forget anything because my memory tends to not be that great. I remember when my daughter was really, really tiny and I was having, you know, infant mom brain, (laughs) I would go to the store and do shopping and forget something as important as milk or diapers. So ever since then, I do not leave my home without a shopping list. So it'll ensure that you don't forget anything. But most importantly, as it relates to clutter, it will keep you from buying things that you shouldn't, no matter how tempting. So if it's not on the list, right, we don't buy it. Now, I'm not going to lie, this takes 
a lot, and I do mean a lot of self-discipline. In the beginning, when you're trying to build new habit, right? Because not shopping as much is a habit. As you're building this new habit, oh my God, you really have to practice self-discipline. The temptation is incredible, right? When you're out and about, if you're a target and you're seeing they're like, they have those um, dollar, $3 and $5 bins, right? At the front of the store when you first walk in and you're like, oh, but it's just $1. Why? I mean, I really, really need this plant holder or I really, really need this decorative plaque. It would go beautiful in my laundry room. Fight the urge. Resist it. In the beginning, it's going to be hard. It really, really will. But I promise you that eventually it will get easier. Another solution for this, right? Another solution for keeping unnecessary clutter out is don't go shopping on days where you are feeling stressed or anxious, right? Don't go shopping on days where you know you're more likely to spend more, when you know you have that shopping itch. Try to avoid putting yourself in situations where you are around beautiful things that you must have. Something that has helped many of my clients in the past is, for example, on days where you're feeling extra impulsive, instead of going out and shopping, browsing, let's say, Amazon for pretty things, adding them to cart, and then never actually purchasing it. I know it kind of sounds silly, but have you ever been in that situation where you're just, it's like window shopping, right? But on <laughs> on a website. So I, I'll be honest, it works for me. You know, there have been plenty of times where, you know, I'm just like, oh, I just want to buy something. I'm in that mood. I have that itch. And I'll go on Amazon and I will just browse random things, right? Like drawer organizers, towels, like it's, it's not even related, right? But I enjoy the experience of looking through things and reading reviews. And then I literally just add to cart. And once my cart is full, I actually will go in and then click save for later and I'll never actually buy it. And for me, and give it a try and let me know if it works, but for me, that tends to be incredibly successful. Now, the next thing we can do to take our homes from cluttered and messy to clean and tidy is ensure that all of the items in our space have a home to go to. So this relates directly to organization. A lot of times the clutter that we have in our space, and this would be very, very evident if you um, follow tip number one, which is to take photos of all the spaces in your home. What you'll notice is that most of the clutter in your space is surface clutter, the dreaded surface clutter, right? Um, surfaces are a magnet <laughs> for clutter. For your home to be clean and tidy looking, every item in your space has to have a home to go to. So for example, those magazines that are sitting on top of your coffee table, the reason that they're sitting there is because they don't actually have a designated storage space. Those items that are sitting on top of your kitchen counter, whether it's just random fruits or bread or utensils or appliances, again, they're sitting there because they also don't have a home to go to. And oftentimes their home should be in the cabinets or the drawers. And I know what you're saying right now. Well, Margot, I don't have enough space in my cabinets and my drawers. Touche. And what that means is that we actually have to declutter our drawers and our cabinets to make room for the stuff that we actually need to go home to. 
I actually live in a very, very tiny New York apartment. And let me tell you something, when a space is small, even if you have a little bit of clutter, I mean, it has a huge impact. So it's really about getting creative about how you organize your space. It's about getting creative with storage solutions. But, you know, the rule of thumb, if you want your home to appear clean and tidy is to, number one, have as less surfaces as possible, (laughs) right? Surface and visual clutter is just, oh, it's an eyesore. But most importantly, you really have to take inventory of the things that are creating that surface cluttered look and try to figure out where those items can be stored. So for example, instead of dropping your keys, your wallet, your sunglasses on, I don't know, the kitchen counter when you come into your home or maybe the dining room table, you could think and be like, okay, wait a second. These items probably could have their own storage solution and a storage solution could be some kind of organizational rack that you hang on your wall or even a bowl that sits by your entryway. Right, So you would actually be going around your space and I I would highly recommend that you start with items that are everyday items, that are everyday items that are creating clutter, right? Walk in, approach it and be like, okay, where is the best place for me to store this? And keep in mind that when it comes to organization, it has to be functional. So kind of a very silly example is when I mentioned the keys, right? And having maybe um, an organizational caddy that hangs on the wall, you know, functionality would be having it in your entryway as opposed to like your living room that's nowhere near your front door. So we're, even if we organize, but the organization inconveniences us, right? Or the designated space for those items are too far out of reach. Well, you know what? The storage solution might be there, but we're not actually going to use it. So when you're coming up with storage solutions, keep in mind that it has to be functional for use, right? So it has to flow. It has to make sense, right? Where you're storing, it has to make sense. So since I have an incredibly tiny apartment, I've literally maximized use of every single space that I have. And I'll tell, I'll be very, very frank. It took a really long time. Um, you know, there are sometimes I created something and I was like, oh, okay, this item is great to store here. And then after like, trying it out for like two weeks. I'm like, this does not work at all. So I want you to just be realistic and mindful that this will take time, right? Organizing your home, creating a home to go to for every single item in your home will take time. And sometimes you'll make mistakes, right? Or it won't work or it won't function for you, your family, and that's okay. And a pro tip here is this is why you should never invest in like bins and you know, store other storage solutions until you've tested out functionality. So before you run to Ikea or HomeGoods or wherever else you purchase these items, I highly recommend that you first start off utilizing the items that you already have in your space. So instead of buying a bin for your drawers, maybe you have a food container or a box lying around the house. So first try it out with that. If you see that after a couple of weeks you're using it, it functions, other members of your family are using it as well, then by all means, level up. But oftentimes we waste money because items look pretty and we think that they will work, but in reality, they don't work. Give it a test run first and then upgrade. If you are at that point where you are ready to level up and invest in organizational um, 
and invest in storage solutions, just (laughs) a simple recommendation, make sure you measure before you buy. I can't tell you how many times clients have bought things for, especially for like their kitchen cabinets or their closets. And then they're so excited about it, especially if it was on sale and they bring it home and it doesn't actually fit by like half an inch. (laughs) So if you're going to be shopping for storage solutions, just make sure that you you measure the space that they'll be going into. I also do recommend more often than not that you invest in clear bins for storage. This way you can easily see what's inside. And if you want to level up a little bit more, you can always invest in a label maker. The next thing that we can do and improve upon, right, and this is kind of a challenge and a problem that we run into when we're decluttering is that, and this is a big one, ladies, is that we have a hard time letting go of items. We hold on to items out of guilt because maybe it was a gift that somebody gave us. We hold on to items because we spent money on it, right? And if we let the item go, then we feel wasteful. We hold on to items for sentimental reasons, right? It means something to us, right? It has an emotional value attached to it. And then oftentimes we hold on to items because of emergency reasons. And (laughs) I have been guilty of all of these. When it comes to letting go of items, and look, as you're decluttering, and if you're somebody who has already decluttered, you know that there are some items that are incredibly easy to part with, right? Like it's just a no-brainer if you're... Um, you know, you're like, I've never used this. It's just taking up space. Or oftentimes maybe you have duplicates of the same item, or maybe when it comes to clothing, it has like holes in it or whatever. You know, some items are pretty straightforward, but then we run into these other items and we're just like, you know, for example, maybe you have an extra uh, plate set, right? And you're like, oh, but you know, if I have company come over, I'll need these additional, you know, 16 plates. But then you have to be very, very honest with yourself. And it's like, does that really happen though? When was the last time you had that many people over? So maybe it makes sense to hold on to, I don't know, four plates, right? In case of emergency, let's put it that way. But like, do you realistically for your lifestyle, right? Do you realistically need to hold on to so many plates? Mugs is another one. I don't know why we hoard so many mugs. It's like every time we go out and we see like a cute coffee mug, we're like, we must have it. When it comes to decluttering, we just have to be realistic about why we're holding on to items. Let's talk about letting go of an item, you know, that somebody had gifted us, right? We feel bad because maybe the mother-in-law or family member or friend gifted us, uh, I don't know, a juicer. And it's like, you've had it for three years and you have never juiced a single thing. And juicers take up a lot of space. I'm just saying kitchen cabinets are prime real estate. And now you're allowing that juicer to take up space, right? Instead of alleviating some of the space from your kitchen countertop. So think about it this way. Why are we feeling guilty letting go of this item? And by the way, when I say letting go, you can always sell it or donate it. Um, So we feel guilty because it was a gift. But Flip that around, how much stress, anxiety, and overwhelm is it causing you to hold on to this gift, right? I think that oftentimes in our spaces, we're too quick to prioritize everyone else instead of ourselves. And I highly encourage you to think about the flip side, right? This item that you don't need, yes, it was a gift, you know, thank you very much, but this is an item that you have no 
use for. This is an item that is clutter. And this is an item that's hindering your ability to organize your kitchen in a more functional way because it's taking up unnecessary space. So let it go. The next reason is sentimental items. Now, sentimental items, first and foremost, never, ever, 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 ever begin decluttering with sentimental items. Leave sentimental items for last. Um, Decluttering sentimental items can be an incredibly emotional and overwhelming process. So I don't recommend starting there. So leave it for last. However, if you're up to sentimental items, a very, very quick solution is that there are certain items that you absolutely can keep. Maybe you keep these items and you store them in a box and let's say on top of your closet or in your garage or in your basement attic, whatever. And then there are these other items where it's like, you don't really need to hold on to them, but you know, they evoke a memory or, you know, whatever it may be. So a great solution for this is to actually, in order to help you let go of the item, take a photo of the item and keep the photo and let the photo elicit the emotion and the memory. Because at the end of the day, those memories are in our hearts and in our heads. So that might help you in letting go of the item. And then of course, there's the whole in case of an emergency. (laughs) we're all guilty of this. We've all done it. It's like, I need this in case of an emergency. I remember a few years ago, um, I found fishing rods in my home. Now, something about me is I've never gone fishing in my life. Uh, Those fishing rods were actually a gift for my ex-husband and I found them still sitting in my home. Now, explain to me why for a while after I did not part with the fishing rods. Like it was the the silliest thing. And yes, you can say it was a sentimental item, but I don't think so. I actually held on to it because I thought to myself, here are these fishing rods. And one day I might go fishing. Like that day is like never, never. Okay. It's now been several years and I still have never gone fishing. Like I'd rather do anything else than go fishing. And I'm not knocking anybody who fishes. I think that's fantastic. It's just not for me. Oftentimes we hold on to items for in case of emergency or just because, and it's completely irrational and unreasonable. One way that might help with this situation is to follow the 2020 rule. And the 2020 rule says if you're encountering an item and you're like, in case of emergency, right? If that's happening, think to yourself this way. Can you replace it in under $20 and in under 20 minutes? And if the answer is yes, let the item go. Give it a try. Let me know if that works. It's okay to hold on to a few items for just in case or emergency reasons, right? The zombie apocalypse. (laughs) But you want to be honest with yourself because oftentimes we hold on to too many items for just in case or in case of an emergency. Just having an awareness that that's the reason might help you let go of some of these things. And finally, the last problem we tend to get into when it comes to taking our home from cluttered to clean and tidy is that we don't declutter regularly. I'm sorry to break this to you, but decluttering, just like cleaning your home, is an ongoing process. So even after you've successfully decluttered your entire space, right? And the initial phase, when you're first starting out decluttering, the initial phase will take time. It can take a month. It could take six months. It could take a year. It could take two years, right? It depends on the amount of time that you can dedicate to it as well as, well, how much stuff you actually have. 
But a lot of times we think that once we've decluttered, that's it. (laughs) And that's just not true because having partners, having, you know, kids, other family members, you know, pets, all of that stuff, a certain amount of clutter will naturally make its way into our homes. And that is perfectly fine. The best thing that you can do and how you can solve this is by adding decluttering to your weekly to-do list. So just like my hope is you have a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly cleaning schedule, you know, parallel to that, you should have certain activities that you can do to maintain your home being clutter-free. So for example, you know, once a week you can do a 60 second purge, right? And that is where you essentially walk around your space and everything that's anything that's out and about, um, you swipe into a bin basket or bag, and then you either put it back where it belongs or you, you know, you trash it, you donate it, or you sell it. But there need to be new habits that are put into place in order to maintain a clutter-free, clean, and tidy home. And of course, remember to not succumb to the shopping itch. (laughs) The truth is that having too much stuff um, actually adds to our stress levels instead of alleviating it. And I can tell you as someone who has achieved you know, my version, because clutter-free, clean, and tidy is incredibly subjective. But I can tell you as someone who has absolutely achieved a clean and tidy home, it is incredibly liberating. It is such a wonderful feeling to walk into my home and have my entryway be neat and have my home smelling good and having things be organized. It is just a beautiful feeling. It is so incredible that when you become clutter-free, right? After you've decluttered, that cleaning your home no longer takes you two hours, three hours, four hours on a Sunday, right? You do it in half the time, sometimes even less. And this really gives us, especially as moms, the opportunity to create memories with our partners and our kids and live our lives in such a, such a wonderful way where we're not like out with the kids at, you know, at the park and the whole time we're thinking about, all the stuff that we need to clean or declutter inside of the home. We've all encountered these problems, but you know, it's not a problem if it has a solution. And the good news is that learning new skills and adapting new habits, which ladies take time, adapting these habits, you will be able to achieve a clutter-free and organized home, but most importantly, maintain it. As always, good luck on your decluttering journey. Thank you so much for listening and remember to be good to yourselves.